How we doing, guys? Everybody doing good? All right, I'm going to let these guys grab a seat. Now, you guys are full of energy tonight, and I like that. I think that's great. That's a good thing. Do me a favor and go ahead and grab your outlines. You should have one. If you don't, then, uh, and you want one, just raise your hand. We'll come by and get you one. Uh, grab your outlines. Hey, here's the thing. We want to welcome you guys to M12. Thanks for coming tonight. If you are here for the very first time, you're one of our guests, just know that you are a part of the family now. We're glad you are here. And tonight, we get to wrap up a series called Flipped. And in this series, what we have looked at is we've looked at this idea that the world, right, the world has this expectation of you, and it's not really that high. For example, sometimes you guys get called names. You say, you know, people tell you you're too young, that you can't, you know, you can't do something because you're in middle school, or sometimes you feel insignificant and things like that. But Scripture actually speaks something completely different about your life. And what we've looked at is we've looked at a certain passage, and here's going to come on the screen, and the Bible says this, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for all the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And what we've done is each week we've looked at a different part of the verse. We've looked at Things like our speech and why it's important what comes out of our mouth, right? We've looked at our conduct and our behavior. And some of you could probably stand to listen to that one again. We've looked at love and what it means to love. We looked at faith last week. Mike gave a great word. Some of you guys, you made life-changing decisions last week. That was amazing. And tonight, we get to finish and wrap it up with purity, We get to talk about purity. In other words, we're saving the best for last when we're talking about purity. Now, here's the thing. I want to have have a mature conversation with you tonight. And I believe even though you guys are in middle school, we're going to take this verse to heart. And we're just going to know that we can go into some mature uh, material and some things that we need to talk about tonight. Because here's the thing. You can't talk about purity... You can't talk about purity without talking about the word sex. It just can't happen. So get the giggles out. Get get the giggles out. I hear you. It's funny. Ha, ha, ha. All right. But I don't want you to lose sight of why we're going there. Let me tell you why, though. Let me tell you why. Shh. You got to listen quickly tonight. The reason why we're talking about that is because this is an area... This is an area in your life that God cares deeply about when it comes to your life. God has a certain plan for each of you. He has a certain plan for all of us when it comes to this part of our life. And here's the thing. The way that you view sex and God's plan for that in your life, it does affect your purity. It affects your purity Every single day. The way you view that affects your purity. And so as we get started, I want to talk about and I want to define for you what is God's plan. And it's really simple. It's in the Bible. There's a couple verses that may come on the screen. And the Bible says this. It says, so a man, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife 
a man and his wife, and the two will become one body. In other words, they will get married and become one. A man and a woman will get married and they will become one. And then the Bible says this in Hebrews, marriage should be honored by everyone. And husband and wife should keep their marriage pure. For God will judge as guilty those who take part in sexual sins. So what what, what God's standard, listen, God's standard for you when it comes to sex is very simple. It is between a man and a woman who are married. A man and a woman in the context of marriage, married to one another. But when we talk about purity, what we're talking about is anything, anything outside of the context of God's standard covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. And in our world today, here's what we know is true. In our world today, and probably in some of your schools, there are different opinions, there are different beliefs, right? There are different views when it comes to sex and relationships. Some of you have different questions about this. And and here's what I want you to know. We're not going to go there tonight. We are planning a series for February that is going to answer maybe some of the questions that you might have, questions that maybe you're confused about. Tonight, what I want to do is I simply want to talk to you about God's standard for purity. God's standard for purity. And really, that standard is very simple. God's hope, God's plan, God's desire for you is that you would remain pure until you get married, that you would save yourself for whoever the person is that you will one day marry. Yet because because of the world that we live in, right, and because of the way that culture has continued to shift throughout the years and how it will continue to shift throughout the years, we all know that personal purity is not easy. It's not an easy thing, but it is possible, and it is best. And so what I want to do is I want to rally around a statement that I know for me has helped me greatly in this area. And it's, kind of, it's, it's our bottom line statement of tonight, and I'd love for you to write this down. It's very simple. Fight or fall. Very simple. Very easy to understand. You either fight Or you fall. Now, do you guys know the number one rule when it comes to boxing? Anybody know the number one rule? I'll tell you. All right, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I probably look like a little ridiculous because I've never boxed before. These feel pretty cool, though. But here's the number one rule. The number one rule in boxing is simple. When you step into the ring, right, You don't find a boxer that walks into the ring and looks like this. You find a boxer that is engaged in his opponent and he is ready to fight. That he is ready to take on any punch that's coming towards his head, towards his face. And if he doesn't, right? If he does this, then he's going to get clocked, right? And so when it comes to purity, when it comes to your purity in your life, you fight or you fall. 
And what God's standard for you or what God's hope for you would be is that you would fight for your purity. But see, the world and the culture around us, they could care less. God has drawn a very solid line. And if you can see this, this is just a solid line. God's line is solid His standard for purity is solid. It doesn't change. It's in the Bible. Nothing is changing that. And yet what the world continues to do is draw dotted lines and confuse God's standard for purity of what is true and what is right. See, God's desire for you is to remain pure until marriage and fight. But what the world wants you to do is compromise your purity, do whatever you want in the moment, whatever feels right at the time, and start making your own rules. See, the world's perspective and, and, and hope for you would probably be nothing equal, nothing close to what God is. And the reality is you can either fight or you'll fall. If you choose to fight for your purity then maybe you will be victorious. But if you go in casually like you don't really care, then you're going to get clocked by impurity and by the things of this world. And, and here's the thing. We see this in the life of a character in the Old Testament. Character, his name is King David. So if you want to, grab your Bibles. I'd love for you to turn open to page number 309. We're going to be in this passage for just a few minutes. Second Samuel chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. And let me catch you up with what's going on in the passage, is that David is now the king. David is king of the army. And what happens is David, up until this point, man, he has destroyed thousands of men. He has beat different armies. Man, people are, he is well-respected. David is well-liked. David is the man, He is the man. And picking up in 2 Samuel chapter 11, the Bible says this. In the spring, at the time when kings would go off to war, David sent Joab with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. So let's stop there. Here's what happens. David is the king. And what the Bible says is in the spring, what kings do, man, is they go out to war. They're ready to fight in the battle. And so, but this particular time, David makes a different choice. And David says, you know what, man, I've been fighting people. I've been owning people. I've been killing men left and right. Joab, hey, man, you guys, why don't y'all go ahead and go without me? So David stays back, sends his men, and David was where he wasn't supposed to be. Continuing on, it says in verse 2, One evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And then David sent messengers to get her. She came with him, and he slept with her. And then she went back home. Remember, this is a mature conversation. Don't prove me wrong that you can't have it. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. 
So let's think about what happens. David is supposed to be with the other men. He's the king. He's supposed to be battling in the army. In this particular time, David chooses not to go out. And so what happens is David sent Joab instead. He wasn't in the fight, and it led to his major failure. See, David became casual about his success defeating men and armies. And because of that, he slept with another man's wife. She had his child. And eventually, he killed her husband so that he could have her to himself. Now, obviously, you and I are not going to a physical war. We're not going to a physical battle like David should have been at. But every single day, and students, I need you to hear this. Every single day, you and I are in a spiritual battle for purity. Every single day, you and I, we wake up and we go into battle for purity. And the reason why I know that is because everywhere you look, it's everywhere. If you're on television and you're watching, even cartoons have innuendos these days. You're on your phone. You're on your computer. You're in the classroom. Everything is accessible, and it is a battle. And what I want us to recognize tonight that you may not be aware of is how this happens. I want to talk to you based on looking through the lens of David's story how sexual sin takes place. You see, first, first, sexual sin starts and begins with the eyes. And I want you to write this down. It's not going to be on your outline, but write it down. Sexual sin begins with the eyes. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. D the Bible says that David looked out and saw Bathsheba. See, sexual sin begins with the eyes. It begins with what you and I see and what we allow our eyes to see. There's a, a saying that says that your eyes are the window to your soul. And sometimes, ladies, you get a bad rap because we talk a lot about how you dress and if you would dress this way and dress that way. And, and I hear you. I, 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 I understand where you're coming from at times. But the reason why is because the reason why we say things like modest is hottest is because guys are very visual. See, David was a man. He was visual. He saw something, and it messed his world up. The Bible says it like this. It says, your eyes are the lamp of the body. Listen to this. When your eyes are healthy, then your whole body will also be full of light. But when your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. You see, students, it is noted that the average teenager will see 14,000 Sexual references through the media in one year. 30 million people visit pornographic websites in a day. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Pornography. Shh, pornography is a major issue 
in the world that we live in. I hope you recognize this. 13 billion dollars a year goes to pornography. And it all targets the eyes. Every bit of it. It all targets the eyes. And there are so many men and women in this world that are trapped in this sexual sin. But it all begins with the eyes. And it begins when you choose not to fight and just be casual. Not to fight and just be no big deal. But see, the progression, and if you think about it, this happened to David. He saw Bathsheba. And then the progression is that sexual sin grows in the mind. That it starts and begins with the eyes, and then it grows with the mind. See, students, the images that your eyes see can be stored in your mind. And when you let your mind revisit those images, lust happens. And our minds are very, very, very powerful. And at times what begins to happen is that we start entertaining these thoughts, and then we begin to justify certain things that we do as being okay. That it's okay what I look at, that it's not really going to matter. It's okay if I do whatever I want with whoever I want. It's not really going to matter a big deal. And we start justifying everything to be okay. See, David did this. David devised a plan in his mind. You know what that plan was? His plan was to call Uriah from the war back to him. And he was going to bring him into his palace. He was going to feed him this huge meal, have a couple drinks, And then what he was going to do was send him back to the war to be in the front of the battle lines to be killed. See, David devised this plan in his mind because that's what sexual sin will do. It will grow in your mind. And lastly, sexual sin enslaves your heart. It enslaves your heart. By this point, you you convince yourself that... There's nothing wrong with what you're doing. And what happens is that we begin to listen to culture and creation instead of God, our creator. And your heart becomes numb. And it becomes enslaved. And this is exactly what happened to David. Because David did exactly what he planned. He had a baby with someone who wasn't his wife. And then he had her husband killed in the battle. And David had convinced himself that it was okay. And students, the reality tonight is that we may not be facing the same circumstances, but the battle that we have is real. And the truth is, you can either choose to fight and get in the battle, or you can choose to be casual about it and let it destroy you. Because it will. See, Satan would have it no other way than for you to be destroyed in this area of your life. And so what do you do with this? Well, it's very simple. It's going to come on the screen. I'd love for you to write it down. Fight for your purity. I know this looks ridiculous, but think about it. 
Fight for your purity. Get in the battle and fight for your purity. Here's what the Bible says. It says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should be set apart, holy, different. Set the example, pave the way. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body, his her, or her own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like pagans who do not know God. For God did not call us to be impure, but to be pure. See, students, my hope and my prayer for you is the same as, as it is for me that we would get in the battle and that we would fight for purity. That we would not approach this situation or this particular thing in this verse casually like it's no big deal because it's a massive deal. It's huge. And because of this, it's destroying some of you and it's destroying some of your friends. And so how do you fight? How do you get in the fight? And I've got just really quick a few things that come from my own experience. The first thing is you pray. Without the help of Jesus Christ, you will not be victorious in this fight. And oftentimes I pray the prayer that's on your bulletin. It just says, Lord Jesus, give me the strength and help me to fight for my purity. So one, you pray. Two is you lean into Scripture. In other words, when impurity comes your way, you lean into Scripture and you punch that thing in the face. You punch impurity in the face. And when you have Scripture to back you up, when you've got things like actually King David said, that I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And you've got passages of Scripture and truth to back up your fight. I'm telling you, you will be more likely to be victorious. Third, you find accountability. Let me ask you a question. Who in your life is asking you the tough question? Who in your life can you trust and they trust you? Who in your life is praying for your struggles and you're praying for theirs? See, accountability is huge because, yes, we do need Jesus in the fight, but we also need other people. And so who do you have in your life? And a very simple way to find accountability, someone that's your age, maybe a little older, someone that's your gender, someone that you trust and they trust you, someone that you can be real with and they're real with you, someone that you can pray with and they will pray with and for you. Those are all huge. And the last thing is this, set boundaries now. Set boundaries right now, students. Protect your eyes from what you see. Protect your eyes from what you see. If your phone is causing you to compromise in purity, then get rid of it or get rid of the internet off your phone or go back to a flip phone. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. I hear you and you laugh, but you know what? Your iPhone is not worth your soul. If you have a computer in your room, get rid of it. If it's causing you to sin, if it's causing you to compromise in the area of, of, of purity, then get rid of it. And if your parents 
are parents who are allowing you to date. Please choose people that are going to help you fight for purity and not people who are going to make you compromise it. And what I know to be true in a room like this is this is an awkward conversation for some of you. Because for some of you, you don't relate. Maybe you're not facing this battle, but you will. And then for others of you, this is hard because you've made mistakes. This is challenging because you have done things that you're not proud of. Because you have looked at things that you shouldn't have looked at. And it leads you to ask questions in your mind and in your heart and in your soul like, does God really love me if I did that? Or will God really forgive me for making that decision? And the answer is really simple tonight. While it's not okay to compromise in the area of purity because God cares deeply for that in your life, the truth is that he has forgiven you and he will forgive you, and he does. Because the Bible says it like this, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to remove your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. See, through Jesus Christ and the cross, we have been forgiven. And if that's you tonight, you would say, man, I've made mistakes I'm not proud of. You talk to God about it, you confess it to him, and he forgives. And you can walk out of this room being free instead of held in bondage. And for the rest of us, this is what I want to do to wrap up. I realize how ridiculous I probably have looked up here, but I wanted to give you a visual of how important this fight really is. Now, do you need to go get you a pair of boxing gloves? It's kind of cool. And bring them to school? Maybe. Not really. But, but this is what I want to do. If you're here tonight and you would say, you know what, Stephen? Whether you have made mistakes in this area and compromised or whether you never have before, if you're willing to say, you know what, man, I want to get in this fight Man, I want to start fighting for my purity instead of taking it casually, instead of just acting like it's no big deal. Man, I want to get in the fight. I want to kick it in the teeth. And this is what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to stand with me. I want you, I want, yeah, go ahead, stand. If you want to say, I want to get in the fight and I want to fight for my purity, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand and as a symbolic way... I want you to put up your fists. I want you to put up your fists. I'm serious. I want to see everybody like this, engaged in the fight. You know what I'm saying? Or you're going to get clocked, engaged in the fight. All right, let me pray. So God, that's what we want to do tonight. We recognize this is an area of our life that we have to take seriously. And I pray for every student in this room. I pray and I ask in Jesus' name that they would engage in the fight for purity, that they would fight because they know that it's important to you, and because it's important to you, it's important to them. Give them strength, Jesus. Help them, Jesus, to fight for purity. We love you. We praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray.